Let's hit it. And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled you are here with us today. If you liked our opening song, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you who are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to talk to real people in the trenches making a difference. So maybe, just maybe, you can be our next guest. We would love to hear from you. Now, before we talk with our featured guest today, I always like to do some shout outs. So let me get started with that. First of all is Dementia Map, which is our global resource directory. We launched the end of last year. It's growing. It's fabulous. We're getting all kinds of wonderful concepts. We'd love for you to check it out. If you are a business with a service product or tool, please uh, get a hold of me and I will help you get in. We have both free and for fee listings in there. Also want to mention that Memory Cafe directory is starting to see in-person meetings trickle in so you can get updates on both virtual and live meetings at memorycafedirectory.com. And then of course, Coral Health is allowing people to still download two of their apps Music First and Choral Faith for free. And one of my favorite all-time products that was developed by two friends for two friends is the Foot Bar Walker. If you haven't checked that out, it is just absolutely incredible. And the thing that you're going to want to use if you have a loved one or a client who is in need of a mobility assistance product is absolutely fantastic. Check out footbarwalker.com. I also want to mention again, because this is going to be closing out, is Maud's Ventures giving away $50,000 to $100,000 in seed funding for three particular challenges. Go to Maud's Ventures for more information. And then on the 23rd, actually, I've had a lot of requests to do CEUs for a program regarding dementia maps. So find out how uh, Dementia Map can offer you a roadmap to care and how it can build your business and your brand and also assist your staff and your families alike. Uh, You can find more information on alzheimerspeaks.com. And last, I want to mention Together for Dementia is having their annual conference on November 2nd, and I'm lucky enough to be speaking there. If you want more information, again, just reach out to me on that. Okay, it is time to now introduce our guest today. We are going to be talking with the CEO and founder of Chair One Fitness, which is about fun fitness options for any age, stage, or ability. And today we're going to be talking with Alexis Perkins. I actually met her through Dementia Map as she is one of our great resource members there. Her company is breaking down the barriers, making fitness fun and giving people options and the availability to be able to exercise no matter what their particular age or ability. So I'm excited to learn more about the services of Chair One Fitness, and I'm sure you will be thrilled to learn more as well. Well, welcome, Alexis. I am so excited to have you on the show. I I really want to learn more about Chair One Fitness and all that you are doing. I just uh, 
you know, I've seen your ads and, you know, your positioning on the website and then also on dementia uh, map. So thank you for, for joining us there. But I really want to hear more as I know our listeners do. But before I get into my line of questioning, I always like to ask every single one of my guests if they've been personally touched by dementia in their own family or circle of friends. For me, it wasn't within like my blood family and friends. I first came in contact with the best people ever who had dementia and Alzheimer's when I began to teach at adult daycares and assisted living communities. And I'm not going to lie, just like when somebody's family member first has it, you don't really know what to expect or what to do or anything like that. So I was thrown into this new community and I got to see so many different things I didn't understand that I had to learn. Okay. Like different behaviors that they might have or how we can still stimulate their brain and because of that, I dug deeper into my studies and got to learn, okay, with different fitness programs and movement, but what can we do to help stimulate the brain or keep their attention or anything like that or stop them from wandering around for a moment? Um, so, and then one of my first, um, when I was teaching, I had my one favorite, 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 favorite student. He was awesome. And if you look at my very old, old, old YouTube videos, you could see him dancing with me and his cane was even upside down. I was like, why is he dancing with his cane upside down? His name was Mr. Price. He was phenomenal. And he was so funny every week. He was my favorite. And then um, what happened is that throughout the months, I noticed that he was coming less and I would ask the staff, hey, where's, where's, where's Mr. Price at? And then finally, I didn't see him at all. And then they said, well, he had to go home because he was getting violent. And I was like, hmm. And then literally, I went in to go teach one day. And I see his picture on this board. I'm thinking, oh, it must be his birthday. And they were like, no, Alexis, that board is not for birthdays. He passed. I said, what? And that was my first student that I ever had passed, ever. So I had to go into the bathroom, cry it out dry it off and then go out and teach. So that was my first experience with somebody who had dementia. Oh, that's so touching. I, they do. They just melt your heart and you get connected and, and stuff. So I, I get that. I mean, when my mom was living in a, a nursing home, many people passed over the years. She was there 14 years and, and I would just get choked up and it was like, why wasn't I notified? Because I felt like family. Yeah. You know, I felt like their best friend. And, you know, of course with HIPAA and stuff, they, they can't always do that, but there was one woman in particular who she was like a hundred years old and she cared for my mom. And so every time I would come in, she would almost treat me like her daughter and she'd hold my hand and she'd say, you know, I know your mom's having a tough time, but, and she'd pat my hand and she's like, but don't worry, honey, I'm here for her. And so when she passed, it was just like, Oh, you know, she was just such a sweet, sweet soul. It was just, just something. So it's nice to hear that you have that kind of connection in your history and, and that you get people with dementia. Why don't we start out with having you explain what is Chair One Fitness and how did you come up with the name? Yeah, so Chair One Fitness in simple terms is a chair-based dance fitness program. Uh, with the company, we do two things. We either certify people to become instructors and they could actively go teach classes or for people who want to use it for their loved ones, we have our 30 minute on-demand workouts where they're fun 30 minute workouts that have all kinds of categories like 60s, 70s, Motown, gospel, you name it. And you can just pretty much screen it on your television for your loved one to participate with. Um, and as far as how we came up with it, well, I was working at the senior community for a long time and, and I came up with all the songs on my own. I called my grandma and said, what would you want to listen to? And then I called my mom and my dad and I said, give me some good songs. And then I just made up choreography to it. And like I told you, when I first started teaching there, I had to learn a whole bunch of stuff. I came from the fitness industry. I was, I had to learn about dementia, Alzheimer's, strokes, diabetes, um, tardive dyskinesia, interstitial cystitis, everything. I got thrown everything at me, like all these different conditions. And I had to learn on the spot, how do you accommodate this kind of person or their whatever ability level they are. And then as my classes kept growing, I no longer had the bandwidth to do it on my own. So I got somebody to sub, but then my sub was borderline traumatized. She was used to going to fitness classes. And then she went to go teach at the senior community and was like, oh my God, Alexis, I'm never going back. I was like, what happened? What's wrong? And she said, in the middle of class, like somebody's teeth slid out 
And I was like, that's normal. What do you mean? That's just another day of the life. And um, so when I came up with Chair One Fitness, I definitely did it with the intention to prepare instructors for everything that they can encounter. Let them know that it's normal. Let them know to have compassion for others in all of their teaching and give them the scientific uh, background of it. The other thing with Chair One Fitness is that made me, that prompted me to create the program was I used to do a 30 minute television program and we usually did it for active adults. And we only did two episodes from a chair in our five years that we were on air, just two that were from a chair. And if you were to go to YouTube, the ones that were standing for active adults, they averaged about 3000 views, which isn't too bad, you know? Um, but the ones for the chair jumped over 500,000 views and it was all the comments and all the emails and all the thank yous and the, I have a torn ACL or I do this with my dad. I just had a hip replacement. I'm obese and trying to get started. And I thought, holy smokes, there's a real need for this. And then I thought, I wonder if I create a program. Hmm. And I did. <laughs> wow. I was just going to ask you, you know, what was kind of the, you know, the, the, the stick that broke the camel's back in order to get you thinking about all this. And I, I think it's interesting because, you know, we all are out there doing stuff, but when it gets that kind of attention, it does, it makes you just kind of go, wow. Yeah. How, how'd that happen? You know, and, and more importantly, why did that happen? And you really saw the, the need for an inclusive program that, you know, really incorporated a lot of different abilities um, within within communities all around the world, and um, and I love that it's dance oriented because I think you know music is just so powerful in and of itself. My mm -hmm. mom would have absolutely loved this. You know, she just would have um, would have loved it. Um, why? You know, when you when you were starting out, you said you were kind of getting burnt out, and and then you had somebody, and they kind of got traumatized. Because again, I I get it. Mm -hmm. I, I used to work in the field of um, developmental disabilities, and I would have some friends come into work, and they were like, "Oh my, oh, it's a cold shock." Yeah. What, what what are they saying? It's not making any sense. That they're like two inches from my face, and you know, they were, they were just petrified. And I'm like, "Oh, that's just Gladys." You know that. <laughs> yeah she's yeah. harmless you know she's talking about snakes and I'm like but she got a big smile on her face you know she just can't find the right words to to match um what she's talking about and but to explain that to people is is really um interesting and I think what you're doing is so supportive not only of the particular person but of their families as well in terms of seeing how how you can adapt different tasks and include people, which I think is really super needed and very powerful because uh, we all want to be part of, and then when you can be part of a group like that, yeah, um, that makes it even, even more fun. So how did you go about launching your company? Um, you know, was it, if it was just yourself in the beginning and, and, you know, where are you today with it? Yeah. So in the beginning I had the, um, the idea and I wrote the, the training manual. So I, I had the content part down and then I sent the manual to all of, I, I have some, I'm well connected. So I sent it to my smart friends or who I thought was smarter than me. You know, the doctors of physical therapy, those who specialized in curriculum and everything like that. I knew I had my fitness background, but I still wanted to make sure that the content was right. And, uh, and so they sent it to them, they sent it back to me. It looks good, it looks good, it looks good. And even before we started getting all the other parts of the company together, like the first trainings, I still was like, I just wanna know for certain that what I've created is right and that it's scientifically right. And so I said, I'm gonna get this course pre-approved with some national organizations. And I wholeheartedly thought I was gonna submit the manual and get rejected. And then I would ask them what I did wrong and then I would fix it and then resubmit. But that's not what happened. It got approved on the first go round. So right now the actual program is pre-approved with two sports uh, national accreditations. That's the National Academy of Sports Medicine and also AFA for the Aerobics Association. We also are pre-approved course for rec therapist, which is awesome. So like one of them is the NCTRC and the other one is based out of New Zealand. And we, uh, oh, we just got approved in Canada as well. 
But the ones that I think your listeners would be most excited about is that we are also a pre-approved course for the National Certification Council for Dementia Practitioners. That one meant a lot to me. That one meant a lot because I knew that what we did was good for those who had dementia, but I wanted to know, like, let me submit it to the organization to see if they agree. And they did. And then we're also a pre-approved course for two activities professionals organizations, one being NCAP. And um, the cool thing about that is those are, for those, most people know this, but for those who don't, activities professionals are ones who take care of your loved ones at the senior communities, be it adult daycare and or um, assisted living community. They can go by many names, activities director, life enrichment coordinator, lots of different names, but they're the people who pretty much make the day go around. And so when we got pre-approved with them, I was really excited because I worked at so many senior communities that I could finally go in and say, and we're pre-approved for you too. Um, And then after that, um, that's as far as I had taken it. And then I needed some help. I needed some help when it came down to the business side. So I reached out to one of my friends in Seattle, Jay Black, who's our operations manager. And I, I literally flew out there for a weekend. We started prepping everything. And then that was between January 2018 to October 2018, where the manual was approved. All the background work was happening. And then October 2018 was when we had our first instructor training. And since then, we're now in 42 states, two countries, and we have certified over 700 instructors. Wow. <laughs> it's been a fun journey. You've been cooking. I w- that was one of the things I was going to ask is, you know, with these different programs that you're certified with, are you licensing them to be trainers with, within that, or are your trainers still within your company? They're still within my company, but the course is pre-approved. So let's just say somebody... Let's just say somebody's a rec therapist through the NCTRC, or let's just say somebody's a certified AFA instructor like myself. If you take our course, you get eight continuing education units, which is very important for them when you need your credits. And so, yeah, so that was really important. Okay. And can you explain to our audience, what are some of the benefits for people living with uh, Alzheimer's or various types of dementias? The benefits, okay, there's a lot of different, a lot of different benefits. Um, Of course, physical benefits first, those are usually the most obvious since we're talking about a fitness program. And I always say that just because somebody has dementia or, you know, Alzheimer's, that's no reason for them not to still be able to have fun and to be social and everything like that. Um, And it could happen. I've seen so many of my students who, when the music isn't playing, they're very sedentary. Uh, I remember one time I went to the senior community on my off day. And it was quiet. And I was like, ooh. And when I when we're in there, the music's up, the party's going, and they're active. And so I think it's the physical benefits because just because everything might not be happening mentally, physically, they still need that. They still need their heart rate to get up. They still need to be mobile. They still need to be able to lift their foot off the ground the right height, not to trip over a curve. <laughs> they have to be able to do a lot of different things. And so we're able to do that. I know that a lot of times also with uh, dementia, at least for my students, they're the ones who have the tendency to stand up and wander, okay? They sometimes don't even acknowledge that they're in the classroom setting and they'll get up and dance. And I have like a designated space if they just want to stand and dance and that's fine. The other thing with Chair One Fitness is the neurobiological benefits, which I love because just because dementia and Alzheimer's cannot be cured, uh, cannot be prevented half the time, it can be slowed. The onset of it can be slowed down. It doesn't have to be as progressive as long as you are stimulating that brain. So we do a couple things. One, as instructors, we typically count down in descending order and typically our students will count down with us. We also choose songs that are timeless and are of their time, meaning something that they're familiar with. So it's crazy how a student might not remember me from week to week, but they'll know all the lyrics to all the songs and they'll be right there in class singing along and knowing that they're able to remember the lyrics lets you know that there's still some activity in there. Okay. The other thing that we do as in all of our choreography is it includes activities of daily living. So we make it seem fun so that we know that they're having a good time, but we know that we're actually giving them so many benefits. For example, if I'm doing a song from the seventies and if I'm like disco fever, y'all, this is, that's all I'm going to say to the class. I might say up and down mm-hmm. when in real reality, what I don't tell them is 
I want you to be able to put your seatbelt on. That's the, I want you to have that range of motion. So even though we're making them have fun, we know that once they get into the car, they'll be able to do that. Um, so we have the ADLs and we also do moves that stimulate both the left and the right side of the brain. Basically any movement where the upper body is doing one thing and the lower body is doing something different. It's almost like a, a repeat of that patting of the head and rubbing of the tummy, how it tricks up the brain. Whenever you trick the brain like that, it just stimulates it. And it, there's a book called Spark that goes into deep detail about this brain activity. And so between doing those different movements to stimulate the left and the right side of the brain, counting down in descending order, knowing that they can remember how to count, choosing songs where they can sing the lyrics. There's just so many different benefits, especially for those who have dementia and Alzheimer's. Well, and I, I love how you're making it fun. And like you said, in, in order to put their seatbelt and stuff on is those are critical things or just even rich, reaching on a shelf. Um, I mean, you hear how many people lose their balance, you know, trying to reach or, uh, you know, do various things, or like you said, tripping on a curb um, or even a rug. It doesn't have to be yeah. very big at all uh, for those types of things to be happening. And I also, I'm a huge, huge believer in social engagement. I, you know, my mom lived with the disease for 30 years. She lived in a nursing home for 14 and I believe she stayed alive because she felt part of the community and connected. And I don't, I would still like to see more studies being done on that for the longest time that was all poo-pooed. And I think it's, I think people are starting to take that much more seriously, especially since COVID. But to me, and, and again, I'm no medical uh, professional, but to me as a family member and someone who has been significantly significantly entrenched in this nothing beats social engagement more in terms of empowering people making them feel purposeful and people with dementia are the first to say they feel that it slows down their symptoms relaxes mm -hmm. them it removes a lot of that stress um, plus all of the other things that are going on inside the brain like you said with rebuilding neurons and all of those types of things that stuff, you know, for the everyday person doesn't matter. They, they want to feel included. They want to feel connected. Yeah. They want to feel purposeful. I'm glad that you mentioned that because there's an entire section of our instructor training that goes over the social environment. And so I'm so glad that you said that. And we actually break down what we do as the instructor versus what the student gets to experience. Um, in our choreography, it's not uncommon to have big hand claps together. It's not uncommon to have movements that everybody has to move in unison together. And also even call and response. It could be like when I say, hey, you say, hey. <laughs> and I tell my instructors, look, all of these elements of being interactive with your people create a social environment. And I was like, I don't want you thinking, because you know, some people are apprehensive. What do you mean you want me to say, hey? What do you mean you want me to clap my hands? Like, I don't understand the purpose. And then I break it down. And I'm like, there is a true science behind how to create the social experience. And we've seen it. We've seen it in all the time. Like, okay, we see it all the time. Okay, I always say, if you've ever been to a, uh, a sporting event, a pep rally, a concert, there's always that moment, that moment, or I'll do, you know what, I'll do a sporting event just because everybody knows we will, we will rock you that doom, doom, ka, doom, doom, pa. When you hear those feet, on the bleachers and everybody knows we, you know, it's coming yep. and you feel, you literally feel the energy in the room increase. We've all felt it. And it happens with a lot of different emotions. Like I say, if you're at a Celine Dion concert and she starts singing the song from Titanic and you see everybody in the audience with their lighters up, swaying from side to side, crying, you're here. There's nothing out here. I said, why did everybody just get emotional? Think about it. All they did was sing a song together while doing the same motion in unison. That's all they did. Yet it provoked this huge emotional response. And I was like, and when you do things together as a group with a cadence together, it creates this vibe that is just uplifting and it makes you feel like you're a part of something. It increases the energy in the room. It increases serotonin levels in the brain. 
it's amazing. And so we use that in our format and I break down the whole science of it because it's pretty cool to see in action. Well, and I think, and I'm sure you've told this with, with your trainers too. It's not the, it's not just the motion. It's the emotion behind the motion. They can tell a fake smile or whatever it is, or an excitement. You know, if you're going to be up there and be a stepford wife type, you know, just nothing changes and you're doing this, it, you're not going to, you're not going to get that reaction. But yeah. when you are authentic, when you are having fun, that spreads. Just like when somebody's in a bad mood, that spreads. And yeah. so you have to be really conscious because especially with dementia, they are reading your nonverbals more so than what they're hearing from you. They are reading your nonverbals. They are looking at your face. They are looking at your whole body language. And, and then they are listening to your words. But yeah. they, and they tell me that over and over again. That's why it's so important when you're dealing with a person with dementia to have eye contact. Make sure you're having eye contact with the room. Um, make sure that you are, are giving everybody that special smile, that little twinkle yeah. <laughs> in your eye, show them that you're having fun and that they can too. And, and sometimes people need encouragement in terms of participating. That wasn't them back in the day. They weren't a yay, rah, rah. They were kind of a wallflower on the side. What happens with people with dementia is over time, they lose a lot of their inhibitions and all of a sudden that little wallflower will shock everybody or the guy who's never, never talked, never participated, never gotten up and danced, never, never clapped his hands and the staff are going, oh, what just happened? You know, who, who has the fairy dust here? And the fairy <laughs> dust is being inclusive. It really, it really is. And, and like you said, when you're matching their genre um, and yet they're not stuck in that genre. They, I mean, it, music, music is so powerful and there's so many studies out there regarding yeah. what that does. And, you know, they say over and over again, it's one of the last part of the brain, you know, activities to go. And so even with my mom, very young stages, she might not know all the words, but she knows the rhythm. She knows that song made her feel happy and safe. Yeah. And a lot of times they don't need all the detail to feel good about it because it's tied to an emotion. So it's really, it's getting to that good emotion, getting to that good juju for them and then sharing that. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the film or the video alive inside at all. Mm -mm. Okay. That's something you will want to use in future training because okay. it, just, it shows the power of music. All and right. It's, it's a short clip, but it's called alive inside. And there are several different ones and it works with everybody from dementia, uh, people with schizophrenia, post-traumatic stress. And, you know, they have examples of a man who usually just sat with his head down and didn't interact. And all of a sudden his music comes on and his head raises and he starts singing and everyone is just like shocked. And it's just, I mean, and he's not saying all the words perfect, but he, but he has it down and he is so peaceful and so happy or the woman who puts her cane down and wants to dance with her social worker. They've <laughs> never seen her be able to do that, but she had the confidence to let go and do what she used to do. And she had the power within herself to be able to do that. It's incredible. It's absolutely. Yeah, I'll definitely incredible. check it out. Cause I love hearing about stuff like that, seeing stuff like that. I'm very happy that I spent over a decade at the senior communities mm -hmm. um, learning all of this on the spot because by me not having the education prior, I had to experience it from a very naive point of view in the beginning. Like, what's going on? Why, why is that? And because I was able to have that original point of view, I'm able to understand how it is for others when they see it for the first time. It confused me too. You're not alone. It's yep. surprised me. And so I try to prepare my instructors, especially because they're going to be the ones out there. And we have whole sections about compassion for the people. What do you do if? And we talk about a lot of the things that people just don't even think about, especially for those who are going to work with someone. I told my instructors, I said, hey, if it's your first time, at an adult daycare or assisted living community, 
for the love of God, if you see somebody who has a tag on their back or on their ankle, do not open the doors, okay? They're like, but I don't understand, why? And you have to break it down for people who just don't know for the first time. And that's why I love everything that you do because you help people understand the stuff that we don't even think about. You had to experience all of these things with your mom. And I'm, and I know that that was challenging, but I think it's so amazing that you took everything that you learned about taking care of her and loving her. And now you're able to give other people that information and those resources so that they don't have to walk that walk alone, you know? You know, it's an incredible thing when you are able to see that brilliance of pure joy. And, and really, that's what you're doing. You're taking people from uh, maybe something that's been kind of boring, where they haven't felt engaged for whatever reason, if they're at home or if they're living in community, that, that can happen to all of us, no matter who we are, what age or stage. And sometimes we just kind of get in that Oh, this is kind of boring. My life's not doing a whole lot for me right now. And then, and then, like, like I said, having almost this fairy dust that, that sprinkles over people that, you know, it's not a medication. Um, music doesn't really have any negative side effects. So once in a while, you'll get a song that might jog um, some some sad or or a negative moment, but that's really pretty rare. And then you learn that that's not a song that is going to sit well with this particular person. And, you know, you learn from that, you share it with others, but most of the time it's just good, good stuff. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I still have videos to this day up on my YouTube channel of my mom and her end stages with a music therapist. And this is, you know, she couldn't really speak at this time. We thought we'd videotape her for an hour she lasted a half an hour and some of that time she'd fall asleep, but then the music would come on and she would, you would just see the body move, even though she yeah. couldn't move like she used to, you'd see her toes go in. I mean, and so part of it is getting the trainers to understand that everybody is going to participate at a different level. It might be a subtle hand movement. It might just be, my gosh, they're smiling. Yeah. You know, and noticing that, seeing the twinkle in the eye, seeing those those little things that can really lighten somebody up. And and a lot of times then from there, movement can get exaggerated mm-hmm. more, you know, as you kind of bring them to life and let them know that they can participate. Because I think some, and again, I'm not a medical professional, but I've seen this too many times where people have been told over and over they can't do something. And so then they believe it. And Mm -hmm. so, and that happens with movement too, you know? And so when you can, you can say, it's okay to try and you don't have to reach as far as I reach, you know, but, but that's how we learn to stretch, you know, our mind and our, our physical bodies um, in terms of what is possible. Have you said that um, in our mission statement, it says our mission is to go beyond. I'm saying with my eyes closed because sometimes I can't remember all my sentences. Um, our mission statement is to go beyond boundaries created by perceived limitations, enabling everyone to stay active, no matter their age or ability. And we always highlight perceived limitations. And we always say those are the limitations that we accidentally put on others. Like they can't do this. They have dementia. They can't do this. They're a hundred. And also the limitations that we put on ourselves, like, well, I can't teach this group of people or I can't do that. And so we always say we just want to remove the boundaries created by perceived limitations. And that's exactly what you just spoke to. And I, and I even told my instructors, I said, even if they can just raise their hand, tell them to come to class. As long as you raise your hand with me, that's all you've got to do. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, definitely that. And when I say the limitations we put on others, how I learned that was actually at the adult daycare, I was teaching my class and every time like in the middle of class, they would bring somebody in on a, uh, a medical bed. And I never understood why. I mean, I'm, I'm teaching, they're like far back, you know? Okay. And then one week passed, two weeks passed, three weeks passed, and they always roll it in. And one day I was on my way out and the nurse was like, I love your class. I was a little confused. So I said, Oh really? She said, yeah. When they're not in here, they don't do anything. When they come in, I know you probably can't see it, but she just taps her hand and sings to the music. And I didn't realize how big of a deal that was. Tapping Ooh. a hand, singing the music. And that's where the whole mission statement of perceived limitations came from. Because even 
I've done it myself where I'm like, why would they bring somebody in on a medical bill? Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's why. Okay. So there are benefits. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's huge. I remember when we, when we did the, um, the music video with my mom and I went to share it with a friend of hers who couldn't go visit her in the nursing home. And this woman was probably 76 and every couple months we'd, we'd meet for lunch and I'd give her an update. And I had this picture of my mom, the musician and myself. And I slid this CD over to my mom's friend, Kay. And I said, Kay, I can't wait to tell you all about this. And this woman literally screamed out in the middle of a restaurant. I mean, we're just scooting our butts into the booth. And she is like, I am so disgusted with you. Look at her. That doesn't look like your mother. Lori, you thought you were taking good care of her. And she didn't know that that picture, my mom's hair wasn't perfect. She had a billy goat hair on her chin. She had broken teeth and, and missing um, and chipped and broken. Um, her eyebrows were probably uh, you know, a little more thick. None of that stuff was important to my mom. You know, a toothbrush scared her at this point. So did getting a perm done. She just didn't understand all of those things that we think we need to do. Um, her ego had left the building. Those things weren't important. And I, I remember this woman, it's just literally screaming at me and I kind of giggled and then she kind of got even louder and was just uh, so disappointed in me. Yeah. And, and then I said, thank you. And she's like, thank you. What are you thanking me for? I said, because until this moment, Kay, I didn't know. I, I don't see what you see. I, I see the dimples. I see the huge smile. I see the squinty eyes because that's our trademark when we're laughing. You can't see her eyes. I look at this picture and I hear my mom giggle. This K is my mom in pure joy. And it melts my heart. And I'm, I'm sorry you can't see that. Mm. But, you know, when we don't have those conversations about how things have changed and why things have changed. So that woman, you know, on, on the bed, just laying there with those small movements, they are huge things. Yeah. And a person, a person looking for joy will find joy. A person looking for, oh, that's really strange is going to go, oh, that was a little wild. And that's, yeah. that's what they're going to see. So it's, it's teaching them to look for joy in a different light. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but it sure isn't any less. In fact, I think as, as people lose abilities, those moments of joy, even though they're really small and they're really simple, they are, they are so much more alive and vibrant because they're so, they're so much more important because they don't, they're not able to happen as often. Yeah. And I, and like I said, I think it's just great that people get to hear the story say, look at that better understanding. And I also think a lot of people who are caring for a loved one who has dementia and they've seen it progress, it's also great for them to hear from you. So you can be like, no, no, I get it too. I know I said, I didn't have uh, any family that had dementia, just my, my student family, but my, my sister fell ill and my mother was caregiver to her. And we had to see the health decline, decline, decline until the end. Okay. And I can't even speak to the amount of stress that put under my mom. And sometimes when I would go visit, it was, I didn't scrutinize her, but other people did. Like, how did you let, oh, how did a bed sore happen? You know? And it's like, no, I've seriously been changing them regularly, you know? Yep. And so, and then how sometimes people can come down with this condemning eye and not understanding the caregiver. So I always like to show caregivers a lot of, a lot of love because when I got to see, and even my mom, I don't know if this happened to you, but while my mom was caring for my sister, her health declined. Oh, very common. Yeah. I mean, I, I got, I got to see my mom take care of my sister until she passed. And then, but I also had to watch my mom's health decline along the way too. the stress, the, this, the, that. And so I just think it's good to establish community. So as much as we create that social environment in our classrooms, I think it's really important that for dementia, for dementia caregivers or for those with loved ones with dementia, that there is a sense of community that is formed for each other, you know? Well, you know, um, it's really interesting you talk about the, the caregivers or care partners because it's very common for them to get ill or even pass away first because of that burden. 
And because it's not recognized, everyone's so worried about the, the person with the diagnosis, they forget about the person caring for someone and the person caring for someone usually makes it look like they got it under control because we're so paranoid in this, in this country of asking for help. You know, we feel like, no, we're supposed to do this all, all by ourselves. And so um, one of my questions was gonna be, do you feel these, these classes would be good for care partners as well? Yes, I definitely do because we cover all ability levels and even for the caregiver to participate with their loved one is great because it gives them time to get moving too. I know that when my mom was caring for my sister, it wasn't easy to be able to get up and go for a walk. You know, you always had to think I have to go home. I have to do this. I have to do that. And so I think it's definitely great for the family member or loved one, also great for the caregiver as well. Even for me, I used to teach active high intensity classes. Now I just teach my chair one fitness classes. I still go to the gym, but I got to admit, I break a really good sweat whenever I do my chair one class. And even when I had like my back injury, I loved it at the end of class when we finally had to stretch and bend forward. I was smiling at my students, but on the inside, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. This feels so good. Um, so I definitely think it's beneficial for all. And then even if they're at home, it could give them something to do together. As a matter of fact, I'm going to grab my phone here because I had the best testimonial ever and I saved it. And I, and I, and this, it was a hard read. Okay. Um, I got this email. This was from a, a woman who had taken the chair one fitness instructor training, had an injury then started using our workouts, okay? So I just pulled it up. This is what she said. She said, dear Alexis and team, I just want you to know what a positive impact you have had on my life already. I'm 65 years young, leading a group of active seniors with the intention of getting my certification in order to lead them on Zoom. After a back injury and our bones burned my knee, I had to start using the videos on demand. I purchased them a few times because I couldn't lead on my own due to the pain I was and am in. My seniors love you and having your team and the videos on demand has helped me tremendously, both personally and professionally. Two weeks ago, I lost my 45-year-old son-in-law to a horrible car accident. My grandchildren were seriously injured and my daughter and our whole family has been devastated. The pain we are in seems insurmountable at this point. A few days ago, I thought I was losing my mind. So I pulled up my chair and started my chair one fitness routine. I was by myself, but it wasn't for long. I glanced into my daughter's room and saw she was doing some of the exercises from the sofa. We were both very tearful, but we did the exercises and it felt good. You, your team and the chair one fitness routines have saved me. I just want you to know, because we all need to know when we are having a positive impact on others. Thank you for your program, your strength and your positive reinforcement. Wow. And yeah, I was mind blown. Like I cried a river when I first read that. I know, I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did because I remember when she got her certification, you know, I remember. And, uh, but to know that even throughout her injuries and throughout family devastation, that she was still able to use that. And it was also with her family in the home. So you, she was still able to get good vibes with them, even after tragedy, once again, good music, getting people moving, things like that. So, so definitely, I think it's good for both. And I think that that was probably the best example of how it is good for both. Well, and I love the whole intergenerational thing too. I mean, all ages and stages of life can participate in this. Um, I think one of the, the things that's really um, possible too, if you're doing this together, and I, I, again, I found this out with my own mom, is, uh, you know, we used to dance together, you know, standing up, and then she, she ended up in a wheelchair so that I would like dance with her in the chair. And then that got to be too much. And then we would do sitting at the table, just the arm dance, you know, to the yeah. music. And then we got down to just the pinky dance, just the pinky. Yeah. But it was, it was that matter of touch, you know, and I was just talking to somebody the other day uh, about a husband and uh, whose wife is in a community. And I said, you know, have you, have you thought about, you know, does she like music? Oh yeah. I said, did you guys like to dance? And he's like, oh, I've got two left feet and, you know, she really noticed that. And I said, well, I'm, I'm sure she didn't to, to the, you know, to the extent you think. And then he laughed and he goes, no, we used to really like to dance. And I said, why don't you try that? I, because we don't touch the way we used to. So, I mean, some of this stuff could probably be done together, even holding hands and stretching yeah. and stuff. 
Um, I'm sure there's ways to adapt it. And I do think there is power in physically doing stuff together or just being side by side participating. Cause yeah. like you said, it changes our body chemistry just by doing the exercise. And then it can change our kind of our, our soul and our mind as well, just by when you see, when you see the joy, when you see the smiles, I mean, it's huge. Yeah, no, it is. Um, prior to COVID, we used to always encourage a gentle touch on the shoulder and or the hand or any safe spot, right? Um, not so much now because of regulations, but I always encourage them to find something new. I was like, you better teach your seniors how to tap elbows. Um, however, if you are at home with the people you care for, definitely any form of touch is always good. It could be before you start moving, after you start moving, if you're sitting next to each other, it's not that hard to give each other a high five. And I know that you said how important touch is. And I know I hate to be my dorky self as usual, but <laughs> the thing is, is that we have this lovely, lovely chemical in our skin um, called um, oxytocin. And when you touch someone, when you touch someone, it's the cuddle, it's the cuddle hormone, you know, and it makes you feel good because it again releases serotonin and dopamine in the brain and all these things we see in action all the time. You just don't pay them much attention. It's the exact reason why when you're scared and your kid, the first thing they do is they want to come and grab you. It's the same reason why when somebody's sad and you see them crying and your first reaction is, Oh, let me give you a hug. It's because it's that's that chemical in the skin that's being released. So definitely if somebody's at home with their, with their loved ones, or even if they're working at a senior community and everybody's vaccinated and it's okay, definitely gentle forms of touch in some way um, are great. And it is a mood booster. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Well, this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Is there um, anything that we haven't um, talked about that you think is important for our audiences to know other than contact information and, and uh, how they can get a hold of you? I would say for me personally and the Chair One Fitness family, the main thing we want to do is to give the gift of fitness to those who need it most. Um, I was asked before why I was passionate about Chair One Fitness, and it took me a second to figure it out because I had never thought about it. I just did it because I just did it. And then I had answered all the other questions on the survey, like what's the revenue or how do you do this or what do you do that? Da, da, da. Who's your audience? Then it got to why are you passionate about this? And I got stuck. And then I called my friend Jessica in Seattle. I said, hey, I got a question. It asked me why I'm passionate. I don't know why. And she said, all right, well, let's talk it out. Is it because you like fitness? No, no. Is it because you just love people? No, no. And then we went through this and this and this and that. And then finally, I don't know what happened. I said, it's, it's, it's because it's not fair. I said, it's not fair that because somebody is in a senior community that they don't have fun things to do, that they don't get to dance and listen to good music. It's not fair that because somebody is a wheelchair user, it's not fair that because somebody can't stand up and I was crying and I was like, it's not fair. And so she was like, and then she, she's so funny. So then she just said, well, I guess you just found your passion. <laughs> and, and so I was like, I guess, I guess so. But so with that being said, I don't think that it is fair that you can go to the gym for able-bodied people and they have spin, yoga, swimming, everything under the sun. And then you have somebody who's differently abled and all they have is rec therapy by itself with no music, without the fun elements. So I would like to change all that or be a part of the movement that does. Um, and so for anybody who's listening, if they want any information about the program or if they want to help us on our journey to share this with the world, that's really all that I want because I think it should be balanced. And I think there should be more fun options. Well, there should be a, a subscription for healthy fun engagements that has benefits in terms of mobility. I mean, all of that stuff reduces falls. It, it, I mean, there's just, it, the list goes on and on and on and on. And why we are not literally having doctors write prescriptions for this and this be authorized versus, you know, I'll pick on the new drug that they just approved, yeah. you know. 56 flipping thousand dollars a year for a drug that might work. And people have been fighting for our prescription system to change yeah. and to value social engagement and the arts and, and music and movement. I mean, 
these are things that are important to the body, uh, the mind, and and our souls that are just our community based as a whole. And yet they're not valued. And sometimes I think they're not valued because they are healthy. And we have a system that likes to kind of sustain us. Yeah, no, you are absolutely right. I mean, there is going to be a hard change to happen. I hope that it happens during my lifetime. That before doping people up (laughs) the medications that they would think about health and wellness options first. I think that it's a problem just especially with American culture, how it's cheaper to get a cheeseburger than it is to get a salad. We have a lot of things that are really that are really backwards and it's unfortunate. I agree. Well, thank you so much for the passion that you bring and drilling this all down for us to, to better understand. So you have both um, online. Do you do in-person then too? Do some of your trainers, do you do a little bit of both? Yeah, we're going to be going back to in-person. Um, I think within the next, um, at the end of this, at the end of 20, we're in 2021, 2021. Uh, yes. But right now our instructor trainings are live via zoom. And that's a one day training. Or if somebody wants to move at their own pace, then we have the complete online course as well. And that's if somebody wants to become an instructor. Um, If somebody's at home and they're caring for their loved one, or if they work at a senior community and they're like, I'm not sure if I want to teach, but I definitely want the benefits of the workouts. That's our chair one on demand. And that's just a subscription model where we have all the different workouts in the database and we add one every single month to what's already there. Um, so those are the, those are the two main things that we got going on right now. Fantastic. And people can go to your website, which is chaironefitness.com, or they can uh, get a hold of you by emailing admin at chair one fitness. And you are also on Facebook and Instagram is chair one fitness. Well, Uh, Alexa, thank you so much. I just, I enjoyed our conversation. I thought it was really powerful and I know our audience will enjoy this too. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your passion as well. I love all that you do. So it's been an honor just to sit here and chat with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. And for our listeners, don't forget to like, click and share. This is an important thing and it's fun and it's it's a healthy option. And, you know, a lot of times when we're trying to get fit and try to connect, it can get kind of heavy. And as you can see, that is not what this option is. This is about having fun, going at your own pace, but still feeling included. So again, thank you all and um, have a have a blessed week and we'll talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. Hey everybody, Jared Sebastian, host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.